Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Cowboy Up, the Oklahoma State baseball podcast. Today, we have a very interesting episode for you. Uh, today, we're going to be listening in on a speech that Josh Holliday gave to the Stillwater Chamber of Commerce uh, back in early 2018, right before the start of the 2018 season. It was either January or early February when this speech took place. So you'll hear him reference the uh, 2016 Omaha team, the 2017 team that struggled throughout the entire regular season and then caught lightning in a bottle in the Big 12 tournament and was able to win the whole thing. Um, But this speech, really great wisdom throughout. I really hope that any of you that are uh, in authoritative positions, in positions where you're mentoring young people or operating your own business, running your own business, um, really good words of wisdom throughout this entire thing. So I hope that you uh, enjoy today's episode. Lots of words of wisdom and a lot of things to take away from it. So let's go ahead and cowboy up. Folks are still buzzing, not just here in Oklahoma, but all over the country, over Sunday's Bedlam double feature in Stillwater. It wasn't a baseball doubleheader. It was a baseball game with an intermission in the middle for a boxing match. And it makes the hands relax and just cradle it. Rod Carew used the leg set a lot. Great hitter with the Angels and Twins. He just laid the bat down, and then as he moved, he brought the bat into play, but he can maintain relaxation. Movement in the hands is acceptable if movement is relaxed. The 1-1. There's a drive deep to left. Forget about it. Goodbye. Way gone into the South Carolina night. Oh, I got a hanging breaking ball out over the plate. Hopefully it knocks out the window on our rental car. Huge bomb. The stretch. The pitch. There's a drive to left field and deep. Going back is Roman. Still going back, 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 back. And goodbye. God. We often get complaints from professional baseball scouts who say, boy, your hitters look a lot alike. The reason they look a lot alike is because they all use their legs, and it's that gum unusual that they do look a little different than other folks. We take pitches in our legs. And so many people take pitches in their hands. And we do look a little different. We are very disciplined because we're able to get information off the ball. We're able to take some pitches. Well, most of this comes from dealing with the touch system because we're getting tension out of these guys' hands. The war continues here. The 3-2. There's a line drive left center. That is in the gap. And second on his way to third. David Shine, they're waving him home. Here comes the throw. No! He passed the relay. The Cowboys win. Take a thousand dry swings a day. Put it on your plan of action. Say, I'm going to take a hundred dry swings before I eat breakfast, before I turn on the television set, before I call Sally Sue and ask her for a date. Here's the windup and the 3 2 pitch. It is a fastball hit high in the air to dead center field, way back. It is gone. A dead center field home run by Ingram to tie the game 2 2. Wide over the stretch. The pitch. That was it. Deep to left field. Going, going, and goodbye. Way gone. Three run, home run. Colin Thoreau, the Cowboys lead it five to nothing. We see hitters jerk and spasm and grunt. And they always destroy some semblance of balance and fluidity and movement to the ball. This is a graceful science. How about this? Two nights in a row, the Braves were so close to going to the World Series. 2 1 delivery. Roman Ventura, the Mets win 4-3. There will be a game six. 
so a huge double play left on left to getting a great hitter in Darius Hill at a 3-1 to one game and then right there Battenfield probably a little bit on fumes throws that ugly one up there and gets the strikeout if any of you have gone to okstate.com gone to the roster site on the OSU baseball you know clicked on coach's bio but it, you scroll for a while right um, very successful both as a player and a coach so I tried to pick out a few nuggets um, but I won't drone on and on because, you know, he, he'll do it best. I know he's a humble guy and probably doesn't want us gushing over him. But, you know, Coach Holiday joined the OSU baseball in June of 2012 when he was named the 15th head coach of, of our program. As an Oklahoma State alumnus and a native, Stillwater, or a native of Stillwater, he had served in uh, the previous three season, seasons as an assistant coach at Vanderbilt and established himself as one of the nation's top assistant coaches over that span. Since taking over the reins, Holiday has guided the Cowboys to five straight NCAA tournament appearances, a pair of Big 12 champ conference championships, including the program's first ever regular season title. Oh, I'm not done yet. Uh, two NCAA Super Regional berths, and a return to the College World Series for the first time since 1999, back when Coach was playing. Uh, he's won over 200 games since he's been the head coach, the second highest win total in Big 12 over that span. Uh, and he finished first or second in the conference in each of those each of his uh, last five years. Uh, we all know of the impressive run of 2016. I won't rehash that one. Uh, coming off of a 2017 season where he became the first eight seed to run through the Big 12 tournament and win. Uh, they went 4-0 during the tournament and won the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. I would say that most importantly, Josh is married to Jenny and has two beautiful children, Olivia and Brady. Please welcome Josh Holliday. Thank you. Um, thanks for that introduction. I forgot all that. I feel a little better about myself now. Um, reports from the first semester yesterday, so I needed that pick-me-up. Um, there's a lot of friendly faces here, and there's a lot of awesome people that I've known for a uh, long time, many of you have known since I was a kid, and uh, so the things that I'm sharing with you today are, are probably some of the lessons and some of the ideas that, that I learned from many of you. I see Bruce right here, uh, spent a lot of nights at the Weber household as a young person. Um, uh, school's right around the corner. Uh, it's, uh, I know it's cold outside, but in my mind it's 75 and sunny, um, because real soon here, that's got to be the temperature in the room. That's got to be the pace. That's got to be the mindset. That has to be the energy that we capture with our players as we get ready to play a college baseball season in five weeks. Um, as I've sat in the office all week long, getting ready to welcome the kids back to campus and uh, set the tone for what I uh, look forward to as a very positive and awesome challenge, um, a couple of things really resonate with me very clearly right now about where we're at as a group and, and really where we're at in developing people. Uh, first thing, man, things right now for young people, they're not easy. Um, we want them to be easy. Players would like them to be easy. They'd like school to be easy. They'd like the English professor to accept that paper a day late. They really like that MSIS final to be a little bit easier, but it's not easy. And, and teaching and developing uh, and making aware uh, your players and, and the people that you're with uh, that to be great at something is hard. It is a challenge. Uh, you wake up each day and you have a decision to um, attack the day, 
to embrace what you're not good at, to maintain your strengths while developing your weaknesses, uh, and to expose yourself uh, to an area that you haven't yet chased. Uh, that's academics, that's decision making, that's time investment into your sport, that's communication skills with your peers, your family, uh, that's learning to date and, and build relationships. There's so many things going on with college-age kids that are very important. Uh, they're forming relationships right now that will impact the rest of their life. Uh, they're making friends. They're learning how to take challenges. They're learning how to um, confront one another. I'm super excited about the fact that three of my older players reached out to me this week and said, Coach, we need to talk to you. I said, great. What's on your mind? We got some guys that aren't doing what we need them to do. And we want, we want to talk to them. I said, all right, what are the keys when we do this? Because we've talked about this. They said, well, before you can confront somebody, you got to really care about it. Whatever it is you're bringing to their attention, you must care about it so much that you're moved into action to confront them. And the next thing you got to do when you confront them is you got to communicate it in a way that leads to positive change. So I got three 21-year-old guys reaching out to me saying, Coach, we got to do some work. We got to build our team up a little bit better than where we're at right now. I thought that was an amazingly positive sign about leadership, right? We all have problems. Every team grows as you go along. But when you have people that care about what you're doing enough to take the initiative at that age, then you identified leadership. And that means you have a chance to get things right as you go along. I heard in, in recognizing Aaron and his family to have employees average 9 and 10 years with you. That's amazing. That says everything you want to know about what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis and how much people care about what they're involved in. That's an amazing compliment. Um, so it's not easy. It's a challenge. Uh, learning to <clears throat> help them, uh, it's literally like turning them on. It's ignition. It's showing them, yes, this is hard, but you can do it, but why are we not doing it yet? Because until you can help them realize where they're trying to go, you have not ignited them yet. School is school until what you're studying becomes your passion. And what you're studying becomes your passion when you ultimately envision yourself using it someday. So helping a 19-year-old guy who's bouncing back and forth between undeclared, a college of business, and maybe the college of education, and maybe I want to coach, and maybe I want to be a businessman, and until that young guy decides, this is what I'm going to do with my life, I have a vision for it, then they're turned on. Now that class, that's just preparation for life. Now that grade... Grades and material because I'm learning. I'm getting ready for something that I see myself in. So the process of, of getting these guys back on campus and igniting them in the classroom, igniting them individually to start thinking about, man, you know what, I'm going to blink. I'm going to be 23 years old. College is going to be over. Uh, my dreams of playing professional baseball will either be alive and I'll be pursuing them, or maybe professional baseball is something that's not in my future. And being a professional something else is. Uh, and man, that reality comes crashing on us quickly. So um, the notes that I'm taking this week, I felt like were just a, a perfect way to, to share with you what coaching really is all about. Uh, I wish I was writing up practice plans that said, hit curve ball, bunt the ball, field the ball. I haven't gotten to that yet. <clears throat> There's two things that I'm seeing more and more that I'm, I'm fascinated with how to do a better job of teaching. Uh, and that is the difference between being a leader and being a deceiver. Uh, so much now 
uh, people coming to you and telling you what they think you want them to say versus then turning around and going out and living it through their actions. Hey, how are you doing in school? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm using the academic center. I'm putting in my hours. I'm doing great. You're using your tutors? Yeah, coach, everything's great. Grade report comes out three weeks later. How'd you, how'd you fail that class? You told me you had to be. Well, coach, I didn't really want to tell you because I knew you'd be mad at me. So you sat across the table from me and you deceived me because you wanted me to think you were doing all the right things when in, in all honesty, you knew you weren't. But rather than owning your behavior and growing and just saying, coach, I need some help. That class is kicking my tail. I'm not as disciplined as I need to be. Learning to go from being deceptive to being a true leader and owning whatever it is that you're earning is a big step right now. And teaching that skill to our players uh, at ages 18 and 19 and 20 when I'm a 3.7 high school student coach, and man, I went to a nice big high school, and everyone's told me how smart I am. I got a nice ACT score, and I just got my first F, and I am scared to death to tell anyone about it. Well, you should be. But you should also stare it in the face and identify how it happened and come up with strategies as how we're going to correct it and how we're going to grow from it. Um, fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Um, then you got the kid that sits down across the table from you and said, how'd you, do in your, how'd you do in your classes? You know what, coach? I just took 15 of the most challenging hours I've ever had. I got a 3.5, and I worked my butt off. And I'm really proud of what I just did. And I feel great about my schoolwork. I'm on pace to graduate. And you know what? I think I know what I'm going to do with myself. That's the difference in 18 and 22. That's the difference in learning, and that's the difference in someone who is growing. Uh, and believe me, that takes a tremendous amount of patience. It takes a tremendous amount of positivity. Uh, and at times, it is challenging. Um, last year for our team, many of you followed our team closely. We have some very very dear baseball fans here, and even if you didn't, uh, what 2016's team did by going to the College World Series, uh, that, was, that was fantastic, okay? I'm, I'm signing up for that every chance I get. But what last year's team did, in all honesty, was even more remarkable, and I'll tell you why. We stunk last year. We stunk. The results simply didn't come our way. Now, how did we get there? We suffered some injuries. That's a reality in sport. Okay, when people get hurt and your team gets shrunk a little bit, sometimes it changes their dynamic. But we adjusted and we stayed with it. And by the end of the season, I saw a run in our kids that reconfirmed uh, how special those kids really were. And for the last, oh, I don't know, what was it, about two weeks, we were awesome. And the fact that we were awesome after struggling so bad taught our entire group how to stick with something. It taught us all a lesson. It was way more rewarding in the end than the previous season had been. Um, with that comes my next thought, and I think probably with so many successful people in this room, uh, especially in the world of business, uh, you can relate to this. Um, you have to maintain your conviction and your belief in your plan, even if it doesn't start out the way you want it to. Even if you don't get the initial results that you thought, or even if it's not happening as quick as you wanted it to, if you still believe in what you're doing and you created it with a conviction and a belief, you have to stay the course. Because if you don't, nobody else will. 
and that was taught to me last year uh, in a powerful way by our kids. We did stay with them. The losing was frustrating. We didn't know how to be in eighth place. Uh, we found ourselves in new positions, and we stayed with the kids, and the return was they kept staying with each other. Um, what an amazing lesson to learn for us as a group through sport that then you take with you uh, as you move on and you lead uh, or form vision. Um, I think one of the things I'm working really hard to do, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is, is first and foremost establish very, very, very clear expectations of our group. These are the things that we need from each other. This is what it looks like in action. You will go to class. You will be on time. You will stay up with your responsibilities. You will have a nutrition plan each day of when you're going to eat. You will arrive at practice at this time so you're mentally and physically ready to train. This is when you will go invest in your academics after practice. You are expected to go to bed at this time so you can rest and recover and wake up the next day and you get to do this all over again. You have to make clear for each other what you expect and then you have to confirm when people are going out and doing it right. From there, when someone fails to do so, you must hold them accountable. If your vision for whatever it is you're involved with is to have an amazing energy, an amazing customer service, and being very innovative and forward thinking and constantly uh, doing the right thing by the people you work with, then you have to follow through on that. You have to be a walking example all the time of what that looks like action if you expect anyone else to potentially follow you. And if people fail in that regard, you have to hold each other accountable. Someone has to care enough to confront them with the idea of making positive change moving forward. I don't know when the last time you've confronted someone was, but it takes a little bit of courage. Because the first thing that happens is you get a little bit irritated about something, right? But you don't really say anything because you don't really want to deal with the conflict part. So you just let it go. And then it happens again. And it just irritates you a little bit more. And next thing you know, you start to build resentment. Until finally, it explodes. And then that conflict or that communication isn't normally as effective. But if you care enough about what you're doing or the people you're doing it with or the company with which you're representing and you can confront someone in a positive way, it is such a huge part of making positive growth. And to teach 19-year-old guys to confront each other, to be the unpopular guy in the locker room who calls you out for being out past curfew or tells you that your behavior off the field is not reflective of what we believe, that's really stepping out there. Because the minute you step out in front and confront somebody, guess where all the eyes shift? Right on you. So now everything you do better be right in line with your You can get care enough about what you're doing uh, to bring people along in a caring way. you got something. But you've got to empower them to do it. Um, from there, uh, I think your conviction and your belief in what you do uh, requires a tremendous amount of patience, positive message, and constant encouragement. It is not easy to form great habits. It is not easy to go from good to great. Um, and it's certainly not easy to stay great at anything. Um, you think about going from a College World Series team that finished third in the entire country to sitting in eighth place in your own conference within the matter of nine months. Did we become bad coaches? 
No. Did we become bad players? No. It's that competitive in everything you do when you're trying to be the very best at something. And I'm sure you can relate in the, the ups and downs or the ebbs and flows of anything you do, how things change, uh, how one minute you're sitting up top, you think you've got it figured out, you take your eye off the road, and boom, what the hell just happened? And how do we put it back together? And what in the world was I thinking to let that happen? And that's just part of... The last thing I'll leave you with, and this was something I learned uh, at Vanderbilt where I had a, an amazing mentor, friend, head coach, however you want to phrase it. Um, I loved being an assistant coach. I, I loved it. In fact, I thought, man, this is the greatest job in the world. You get to go experience everything, but uh, when something goes bad, it's all on the head coach, and when something goes good, he tells everybody how great you are. It's awesome. And, and I was constantly trying to learn from him because he was such an amazing guy. And he cared for people in a way that I thought you could be that way, but I'd never seen anyone actually do it. And the relationships with his players and the way he cared about them. And, you know, he's, I'm like, how many weddings do you go to every fall? He goes, I probably go to five or six weddings, you know, and all his ex-players and moving on and sharing life with him. And I saw a side to coaching and relationships and connection I'd never witnessed anywhere. And I really started to admire this man because of how real he was. And so as I learned from him, I kept asking him questions, and I said, he'd sit in the front left of the bus, right? He had the front seat, and that's how buses and sports teams are. The head coach gets on, and he sits right there. And that next chair is just a hair behind it. And someone gets to sit right here and here and so on and so forth. And I'd always sit as close to him as I could get because I always wanted to talk to him. I always wanted to know what was on his mind. And I always wanted him, if he ever wanted to bounce something off me, to know I was there to help because I loved supporting his vision. I loved what he was about, but I loved helping him attain it by working for him to bring people along. And as I sat there with him, and, and he is such a, such a neat guy, he said, you know, Someday you're going to sit in this seat. So what do you mean? He goes, someday you'll be driving the bus. Right now, you're sitting in the passenger seat. Maybe when you were younger, you sat in the back seat. Someday you're going to sit in this seat. And he said, I want you to remember one thing. You can't ever take your eyes off the road. And what I kind of took from that was, when you're the leader... You're in charge or you're responsible for the well-being of people. You're constantly driving. You can never take your eye off the road because somebody's sitting here next to you supporting you. They're there to help you. But how many times have you been driving down the road and that co-pilot just kind of falls asleep and takes a nap? Kids in the back are raising heck and you're the only one awake. And yet you're still driving the car down the road and you're still focused on where you're going. What's that experience of leading... And, and understanding how responsible you are to look out for the people that you're taking with you uh, and to surround yourself with someone sitting next to you that cares and supports you and shares your vision so that you can bring people along and ultimately uh, get your group where you're trying to go. I'm very excited about our team. I love team building. I love watching kids grow. Uh, I love it when our program matters to our players to the point where they're active and they own it. Um, how good our team will be on the field, uh, nobody knows. Um, if they're working hard today while I'm here with you on their own and getting better today, then we're one step closer than we were when we woke up today. And if they do that again tomorrow, we'll be one step closer again. Um, but I can tell you this, the process of learning and leading is 
constantly evolving. <clears throat> Some of the things that worked two or three years ago with young people uh, aren't as effective now. Uh, some of the things that, that our world asks of us that three or four years ago may have been the way to go, it changes. And I think one of your responsibilities is to continue to learn and change with it. Not necessarily your principles, uh, but just be awake at the wheel. Be, be aware. Be constantly looking to grow uh, so that you can bring you know, those counting on you along. Um, as you guys said, I grew up in Stillwater. Uh, this was my home for 24 or 5 years, whatever it was, before uh, the wonderful world of coaching sent me elsewhere. Uh, I spent 10 years uh, working at great schools and living in some nice places. Raleigh, North Carolina is not a bad spot. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, not my favorite place in the world. I saw what road rage looked like every day, commuting home for an hour and a half to go 20 miles. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, great weather. Nashville, pretty good food. Uh, but there's no place like Stillwater. There's no place like uh, the people here, the community, um, athletes and young people can come to Stillwater and find themselves during their college experience uh, because of the ability to concentrate, uh, because of the positive environment with which they're surrounded by all the time, uh, and because of the love and support of this community for Oklahoma State University. So um, the proof is in the, is in the pudding. Um, some of the best athletes in the world to play college sports, played here. Wrestling, golf, baseball, it doesn't matter. Some of the best to ever walk college campuses in athletics did it here in Oklahoma State. Um, and that's a compliment to, to what it feels like to go to school here and what it feels like to be an athlete here. So uh, on behalf of our athletic department, I know Chad was your original speaker. Um, if you haven't gotten to know Chad yet, he's fantastic. He's uh, been a great addition to the athletic department to, to help continue to build it. Um, as you know, many of our sports are thriving. Uh, we've had tremendous success. Obviously, it was a fun and exciting football season to follow, uh, but our other sports are firing up and successful, and I think uh, there's a lot to look forward to this spring uh, with some really good teams getting ready to hook it up. So um, that's my thought. Coaching's hard. It's fun. You'll never figure it out. It changes every single day. Um, I think that's why I was drawn to it. Um, I think it, it is a chance to uh, pass on all the lessons that someone shared with you and your upbringing onto someone else with the hopes that they can thrive and be the best version of themselves. So um, many of you do that. You coach each other. You coach your companies. You coach your families. Um, and it's, it's tough. But um, nonetheless, uh, something that we can keep getting better at. Um, I don't know if anybody has any questions. I'd ask what the typical program would be like if, if folks like to ask questions, but uh, that's what it's at. That's what coaching is. Um, if you don't develop your locker room, then you're fooling yourself if you think your team's going to play good on the field. That's, that's chaotic. It's not the way to do it. Uh, and even if you build your locker room, no promises you're going to play great on the field. Uh, what you're working towards, though, is trying to bring more and more people into action. Uh, where everything that goes on with their team is personal, where everything that goes on with our group means that much to them uh, that they would actually come to you and say, Coach, we've got to get this right. And uh, we've had a, an amazing run academically. It's probably the thing I'm most proud of. And <clears throat> we had a freshman class of this fall. Just I think they decided to major in video games rather than in uh, history. So to make some adjustments in that regard. But uh, other than that, does anybody have any questions? Yes. Hey, how are you? Uh, talk a little bit about the new baseball team. Uh, 
<laughs> you want to come up here and join me? But I can use the um, thank you. Well, we're, we've been working hard uh, in pursuit of a new baseball stadium, and we've made amazing progress. We're probably as close as we've ever been, and uh, I think we're getting closer and closer to securing the funds to build what will be you know, right in line with what Boone Pickens Stadium has become, with the Greenwood Tennis Facilities become, the Sherman Smith Center, uh, the new uh, Patterson Family Soccer Stadium that's probably halfway done, uh, a state-of-the-art facility unlike anyone else uh, in the country. And that baseball stadium, I think, is, I don't know, Lou, I hope sometime in the next six months that we're moving some dirt around. And um, Coach Holder's been remarkable in, in not compromising what something like a spectacular baseball stadium would look like just to get it done. We continue to try to build what we think will be the finest in the country. And anyone that's been to Karsten Creek or any of these facilities around, you know that when, when we do something or when he does something, it's pretty special. So uh, really excited about, you know, the, the possibility of that happening soon. If you got five million bucks in your pocket, just let me know. I'll take it with me on the way out. Start tomorrow. <coughs> yeah, Kevin. Uh, probably Carson Teal. Well, there's any doubt about it. And that's not because Gary's sitting to my left. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about Carson Teal. Um, I love that kid. That is, a, that is an absolute joy uh, to be around. But uh, going back to the, that it's hard, it's not easy. Uh, if you guys knew Carson growing up, Carson was one of the first kids I saw when we were hired five years ago. And he was a skinny little booger, and I think his fastball was about 78, 79, 80 miles an hour. Um, but I interacted with him once, and I remember thinking, I like that kid. There's a positive vibe around him for 17 or 18 years old that as an adult, actually, I want to talk to that kid again. I like that kid. And I saw he's an all-state basketball player, and he's a little positive spirit about him. And I kept talking to people who said, hey, that kid is a neat kid. He's a good competitor and a good leader. And he was a little bit undersized and hadn't matured yet. Uh, so it seemed like just yesterday, Gary and Pam and Carson came to my office. I said, Carson, I'd love to have you. I don't have a scholarship yet for you, uh, but I want you. I want you the person because I think you're going to grow into something someday, and I'm willing to bet on you because I think you're made of the right stuff. <clears throat> so Carson comes in his first year, and we redshirted him. We redshirted him because he just wasn't physically quite ready yet for the Division One level. And that was a tough year for him because when you redshirt, you kind of sit on the side and you don't get to see your name called, and you don't get out on that field. And Everyone around town's like, hey, Carson, you ever going to play? Or are you really on the team? And next thing you know, kids feel the stress of that, especially in your hometown. That's hard. And uh, you don't ever want kids to feel like they're getting lost. You want them to always feel like they have a purpose and, and a, a plan. And um, so Carson redshirted, and, and, and luckily for us, we had a an unbelievable kid on the team named Mike Freeman who went on to become a first-team All-American. And Mike was a great voice or mentor to Carson. He said, hey, man, stay with it. You know, I redshirted my freshman year and ended up being a really good thing for me, and stay with this. So that summer, we sent Carson out to North Carolina to play summer baseball and kind of catch up on some things that uh, he didn't get a chance to do. And uh, goes out and does a nice job. He comes back the next year and starts to pitch for us. And uh, last year, uh, in his third year, he really started to pitch a lot. And by the end of the season, uh, when we needed a big out to wrap up that Big 12 championship, that was our guy. And uh, <clears throat> I think when you talk to Carson, he says, you know, Coach, I actually thought about quitting. There was a time in my mind I was ready to quit because I just didn't see it 
where it could go, and I just wasn't sure I could do it. And he stayed with it. It wasn't easy. He had good teammates. He had good support. He had the right makeup. And uh, it was one of my greatest joys this summer to give him a scholarship. Long overdue, much deserved uh, to a kid that stands for everything that we want. In school, off the field, certainly on the field, uh, and guarantee someday uh, when you're going to hire somebody that you want to walk out and represent you, you hire this kid. No questions asked. So these are the... These are the moments in time in coaching that confirm what you believe in, why you coach, uh, when you see kids grow uh, and really take off and blossom. Uh, and Carson will get a chance to pitch professionally. There's no doubt about that. But uh, we need an out this year. Carson Teal. Other questions? Kind of neat to have a Stillwater kid be that much of a, a part uh, of what you're doing. And we have others. I mean, we've had a, a great appreciation for the, the, the kids in this community and, and what they've done for us. Yes? Uh, how do you feel about the, you guys being the guinea pig for uh, alcohol coming to your stadium and what that means to the rest of the athletic department? That was not submitted on the question list before I came. <laughs> Would you like to have food? It's dirty I will tell you in, in all honesty, um, if, if the decision to provide alcohol in a responsible way has been approved by our leadership, then I'm all for it. That, that didn't come through without thought. That didn't get passed without uh, deliberation about what's good, uh, what's representative of what we want to promote. Um, my, my experience in going to ballparks and being uh, a fan of sport, a fan of sport in many venues, uh, going to the St. Louis Cardinals games for the last six or seven years to watch my brother play, um, is, is, is alcohol sales in, in sports venues uh, while games are going on has successfully been, been administered in many, many places. I think it can be done uh, in a way that does not take away from the, the non-alcohol uh, purchasing uh, members of your crowd. Uh, I know a great deal of, of time and planning is going into how to do it responsibly. Uh, so I, I think we'll be successful with it because um, it's important to do it right. And... You know, I think that uh, if it helps, you know, uh, create a little bit of an uh, influx in attendance or creates an interest or maybe attracts a different fan base, that's probably why uh, you see it in professional sports and it's why you see it now becoming pretty prominent in college sports. Obviously, those decisions are way above my pay grade. Um, uh, I would be probably an ice lemonade fan or something like that when it comes to ballpark food, but I'm not... Um, you know, when, when it passed and it was approved, then we'll do it the right way and make sure it's a positive experience. On the left. Coach, uh, hey. not from here uh, originally, but uh, got to watch some OSU baseball games, done some reading. Who would you say was the uh, best third baseman that ever played OSU baseball? Kevin Fowler. <laughs> With Robin Ventura, a close second. Close second. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. You were there. You were there for a lot of it, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see Kevin. Kevin helps, uh, helps our program with uh, our Hall of Fame and the voting of our Hall of Fame to accurately capture and celebrate the great careers of guys that played here and, and continue to celebrate our history and and obviously build things for the future. So it's awesome to see guys that uh, I was a little kid when Kevin was here. And number nine, right, Kevin? 
Yeah, I wore that for a couple years myself. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Another question on the left. Let's see. Is there still any talk about moving the season back? I don't think that's ever going to happen. There's just too many variables that are very deep in terms of how it affects so many of the schools across the country, budgets, uh, finance, having kids on your campus through the summer months. There's just a lot to it. Um, obviously, the first month in baseball season's hit and miss. We all know that. Weather-wise, it, it can be like today or it can be 70 and sunny. Um, I think we're probably going to see college baseball continue to be played you know, at the same time it, it's currently played. Um, but we'll do our best to order good weather. And uh, hopefully with a new stadium uh, on the horizon, uh, really try to push as many home games as we can possibly schedule in those warmer weeks and, and really just try to make baseball an event much like uh, football has become. You know, every Saturday, I, when I came back after being gone for 10 years and being at some different schools, and I remember my, my OSU football recollection was picking up trash every Sunday morning after a Cowboy defeat in the early 90s. At old Lewis Field, some not-so-great seasons. And we used to sit in the stands as players going, how many people are here? Man, they're like 25,000. Awesome. That's less trash we got to pick up tomorrow. <laughs> That's a true story now. Baseball team picked up trash every Sunday. That's how we budgeted to, and that was okay. It was a lesson in, in hard work, and hey, man, picking up trash stinks. Um, when there was 40,000 people, it took about six hours to pick up the trash. When there was 20,000 people, it took about three hours to pick up the trash. So I come back, and I go to my first football game, and I go, whoa, this is amazing. And it's like Stillwater transforms into a whole new city on Saturdays, and football games are amazing, and we don't have to pick up the trash anymore. And <laughs> you can actually go and celebrate all 60,000. And we used to walk around and be like, hey, don't throw that popcorn box down. Put it in the trash. And, People are looking at us like, who's this college kid? I mean, throw stuff in the trash. And you realize no one knows how to use a trash can until you're the one that has to pick up the trash. But, um, but just seeing the way football's become an event, such a, such a neat thing. And so much of our recruiting is in the fall. Kids and their families come to Stillwater. They're blown away. They're blown away by the town and the energy. Campus is beautiful. Football games are, are an event. So uh, we want baseball to take on uh, a similar uh, anticipation, a similar social opportunity to see people you like and, and get out and enjoy the university and be outside. So we hopefully that's uh, part of what we're going to create. Any other questions? Coach. Yes, sir. Yep. We have, yeah, we have the same coaching staff heading into this season that we had a year ago, and uh, I'm very thankful that the school's been awesome in supporting us to keep our coaches. Uh, a lot of schools have, have shown interest in our coaching staff of hiring guys away, and uh, we've had amazing support from Coach Holder and the school to keep our coaching staff together so we can build on things that we've started to this point. So, yep, same coaching staff. Um, if you're really into the team and want to get to know the kids better, we have our first pitch banquet uh, January 26th, and we introduce the kids there and kind of give you an idea who they are. So. Uh, that, too, is a good chance if you want to kind of get involved with baseball, a little bit deeper level to come out and meet the team and, and get excited about who these kids are. Okay, well, thanks again for having me. Thanks for all that you guys do for the school and the university. Appreciate it.